Welcome to P&G's Dog Training Tips, a podcast providing advice and support to pet dog owners and dog training enthusiasts. Hosted by dog trainers Paula Stone and Georgia Selby and featuring special guest trainers from far and wide. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. We hope you enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome. P and G, P and G. Training tips, training tips. Um, so everyone's just thinking, oh, hello, Jules. So let me just introduce quickly um, a little bit, a snippet of a, of the guests we have. I've got a pinder down finally. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Jules Morgan here, gun dog trainer. Um, she's been a gun dog trainer for over twenty seven years. Get ready for this, guys, because I've got a bit of a list of what else she does. So she's also an APDT member, GTA instructor, Vale and West Gundog Committee member, also co-founder of the Leckin Field and Working Spaniel Club, as well, I've nearly I've nowhere near finished yet, guys, as well as her own business, Dog Training Naturally, also a Gundog Club accredited instructor and assessor. Blimey, Jules, you've got it all, haven't you? Mm. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I would say to that, Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> I disagree. She is a master. That's very kind. Um, okay, so let's get cracking. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, even though given a brief, please digest it all. Okay. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm, I must be quite old now then, because um, prior to my 27 years as a gun dog instructor... I actually spent 10 years in the music business. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You've opened that worm for me now. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not going to talk about that. Um, So this is like my second career. But actually, when I was in the music business, I changed jobs every two years. Oh, really? Yeah. And when I started doing this 27 years ago, never looked back. And I've carried on doing the same thing. Happy place. Yeah. So it was obviously meant to be. Oh, brilliant. So... Yeah, so um, I started out as um, a helper when I got my first English Spring Spaniel called Bruce. Ooh. Bruce Springer Spaniel, of course. It's really dated now, but never mind. And um, I, I couldn't decide whether to have Bruce Springer Spaniel or Joe Cocker. That was my dilemma uh, back in the day, yeah. a long time ago. Um, so I got my Spaniel and he, I thought he was pretty cool until... A friend of mine at a party said, um, my girlfriend's a gun dog trainer. You should take him gun dog training. And I went there and realised he was really out of control. <laughs> and um, and I didn't have a hope and he wasn't interested in food. So the only way I could get him back was to use rabbit skin as a lure. <laughs> we could get a, a sniff of rabbit skin. Um, and I learnt quite a lot about... Um, about that kind of thing, got the bug and spent a year or two training my own dog, going out on shoots and learning about that. And then um, life changed. Fagash Lil's dropped her fags. (laughs) Life. (laughs) I blame her dog, by the way, people. (laughs) So uh, life changed very suddenly for me and I uh, got made redundant and I had a various personal issues that meant that I needed to find somewhere to live. So I contacted my gun dog trainer friend and said, can you help? And she said, I think I can 
find a flat for you and will you come and work with me? Oh. And that was how it started. And the rest is history, really. You've got that off. book. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So that's 27 years. Mm. After all them years of like, no, that's not quite right. You, you found it. Yeah, by accident. Being at peace. Yeah. Yeah. With an out-of-control spaniel. Oh, I know about that. Hold on, I'm not still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm Have I 27 nothing? years younger. <laughs> yeah. So I've just got to say this, bless, because I went. I don't know if you heard that, but we've got we've got your dog Otter here, haven't yeah. we? And he was giving me a bum, give like make making me tickle his bum. So sorry if you heard things dropping. It was just there was a dog saying, "Please say hello to me." So yeah. I can't not say hello to him. It's also nearly tea time. Exactly. So we might like... get a bit of nagging. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, Mum. Yeah. Okay. Go settle. So, since we've come up to the dogs, mm-hmm. tell us about your dogs. Okay, I only have two dogs at the moment. Um, uh, Otter, who's in the background here, fidgeting, who is a yellow Labrador who will be three in the summer. Um, and he's, um, he's really fun um, and reignited my fire for training, actually. Oh. Um, for the last few years, he's, been, he, he's not easy because um, he's quite uh, a nervous dog and I have to do things very steadily for him. But he's really good and he's my mate. And then I've also got another little mate called Buckle, <laughs> who is my working cocker spaniel, or my daughter's working cocker spaniel, so allegedly, but I do everything. <laughs> and she is nearly 10, but we don't like to mention her age. And um, uh, she's... She's been great. She came out beating, rough shooting and picking up with me. Um, I bred her, so I had her mum before that. Um, but we've just got the two, uh, these two guys at the moment. And uh, prior to that, I had um, Labradors. Oh. Labradors, three, four, how many? I kind of lost count. There was Inca. There was Damson, who was daughter of Inca. Fig, who was daughter of Inca, who we very sadly lost almost a year ago to the day. I remember um, that, yes. Yeah. And, um, and then Mango, who was Buckle's mother, the cocker. So. I'll tell you what, though, with Buckle, I remember you saying that to actually get her to probably go out beating, because she, at the first three years, was with your daughter, wasn't she? Yeah. And she didn't really work as much then, so you you did flip it a bit, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, we we came to I came to training her. Originally, she was just going to be a companion pet for my daughter, um, and then Ella went away to school, and I realised I had a out of control spaniel that did straight lines into the woods, barking her head off, um, chasing stuff that she saw. It wasn't so much to do with scent; it was very visual stimulation. Oh. So. Um, yeah, teaching her to actually get her head down and hunt and to work closer to me than half a mile away um, was uh, was a journey in itself. And that was great because um, I am a crossover trainer. My, my original style of training uh, that I'd learned to start with was um, more traditional. I don't like the expression traditional, no. but I'm making the distinction between positive reinforcement, choice-based training, where clicker... Um, and reward is more involved than the um, older style of training, keeper type yeah. training, and that's come from the old-fashioned obedience 
So can I ask side. what made you, because now we're on that subject, I know it's not in my questions, but let's ask it. What made you think, I want to cross over? Was I it think your light bulb moment? It wasn't a light bulb moment. It was a gradual thing and it okay. wasn't really a conscious thing. Um, but over the, I think I probably spent about 10 years training with the, the original lady I, I worked with. Um, and she, during that time, we did in, we, I met John Fisher and Peter Neville and uh, Gwen Bailey and, and Vera, Sarah Whitehead and the like. Um, that was kind of in the mid-90s when they were forming the APBC and the APDT. Yeah. Um, uh, so I was kind of aware of a shift in training and in the way um, trainers were. They were starting to look into more positive motivational me methods of training. Um, so it was there fizzing away in the background, but we hadn't really explored it. And the lady I worked with wasn't overly keen on exploring it. So, um, but as time went on and then I broke away and started training for myself, I started to ask my own questions and people would ask me, you know, why, does, why do you do it that way? Why does it work like that? Um, and I would start thinking about, well, that was just because I was told how to do it rather than thinking it through. Yeah. So then I started to look more deeply at um, learning and how dogs learn, how people learn, and uh, looking into different methods, I suppose. And it, so it was very an organic thing. Nice. So by the time, you know, I started sort of casting aside the um, things like, you know, I hate to say it now because people are gasping horrible, but, you know, lead church jerks that were used you know i cast that aside i would cast aside things like um discs people used to use discs to interrupt behavior yes um yeah you know what i mean um i would um try and look at different ways of getting dogs to work with you in a stimulating and distracting environment rather than yelling at them running after them and yeah you know getting hold of them yeah there was a you know i had started to think about how you motivated a dog to want to connect back with your handler rather than just fill their boots yes. and your only your only way of stopping it was to do something punishing yeah. and i mean punishing with a small p because interrupting the behavior is punishing isn't it unless you're giving them something really good meant? to do yeah so that's a really nice way of doing it, coming across that. So you, you, you literally yourself, you were just out thinking, that is a good point, why are you asking me that question, but also probably looking at your own dogs and asking questions yeah. yourself. And that's how we develop anyway. You've got to ask questions, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there was a lot of material out there, a lot of people that were doing stuff. Um, Kay Lawrence was, um, was putting... Um, all her clicker, um, sorry, dog, dog alert, um, putting her um, clicker um, books out. Yes. I think they were being published in the early 2000s. All right, all right, all right. And um, Helen Phillips also, around 2006, she wrote Clicker Gun Dog. Yes, she did. So I got that. Um, at first, I didn't understand it all, but eventually I, I got my head around it because that was 
again, another other way of training. Um, so, yeah, more material, more people yeah. to f get information from. I've also been really lucky that I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of behaviourists, a lot of really good quality behaviourists over the years. So although that hasn't been just gun dog stuff, um, I've had the opportunity to uh, find out about the work of um, like Adam McClosey and Simone Gadbois and Karen Overall and um, lots of people, there's scientists who have really researched neuroscience, behaviour in depth, yeah. um, dealing with anxiety and react reactivity and things like that, aggression. So a lot of that can be applied to Absolutely. your gun dogs because you're still dealing with arousal and things that distract them. So I've been very, very lucky that I've got quite a good grounding on the behaviour side, even though I don't, I'm not a practising behaviourist. No. And it is so important that we do apply the behaviour as well as always just teaching so much as such training, even though training obviously is a behaviour anyway, mm -hmm. but it's important to understand that emotional state as well. Yeah. Because they're dealing with so many different emotions. And some are more sen quite sensitive in the gun dog, I find, mm. like your spaniels, bred yeah. deliberately for that. Mm -hmm. um, also, again, your Labradors, they can be quite sensitive. Um, so, yeah, I think it is important we understand the other factors. You have... Um... The, you often find that the more people want what they call drive, so really uh, fast athletic Labradors, really whizzy Spaniels, um, particularly the English Springers who will just crash through anything. Um, these dogs are kind of going through the pain barrier, if you like. Yep. Um, uh, so that means that they have to have this really strong desire to hunt um, and to retrieve and achieve. Yeah. Um, so that can make them really reactive to the smallest stimuli. Yeah. So it can be um, a, a leaf, a bird, a shadow that can trigger yeah. this... A reaction of some kind and then therein is that sensitivity that's I think is coming in through the more more fast and furious you want a gun dog then that is um, you're getting the um, more, the sensitivity on yeah. the other side of it it's the flip the side of that. another one guarding it? yeah yeah being protective there are all kinds of issues that come through so and they're misunderstood yeah, they are massively. Yeah, so people think, you know, why is my spaniel chasing leaves in the garden? Mm. Shadows. Shadows. Water. Yep. Yeah. And these dogs are actually quite sensitive, but that's a whole other subject where you start getting into what they were bred to do. Yeah. Actually, talking about that, I had a client who, luckily, I, the dog was a puppy, but I nipped it in the bud pretty quick, Labrador. Not Spaniel, thank God. But anyway, still so. You know the what they use with cats, the laser pens? Oh, God, yes. Mm. And I said, oh, I wouldn't recommend that. No. Because it was a collie crossed with a Labrador. Oh. Collie. Mm. That was my main concern. More than the Labrador, 
yes, was it we, don't, the we don't want it stalking or <laughs> chasing that light because you could have a problem then eventually it might start doing it with shadows or transpire to other things. And they never, they didn't even realise. They just thought mm. he was having fun. But that, that finely tuned mm. could transfer onto others. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's where you start getting into this um, these uh, fixed action patterns. They were so thankful for me to say that, though, because they mm. said we would have carried on. Yeah. And I was like, oh, good job, I care. And actually, that causes quite a lot of stress. Yes. Because, because collies try to stop things moving. Yeah. So by making them chase something, you're actually causing stress, which That's is why it's not a good idea to... Sorry, um, have a collie and do the ball chucker. Yeah, absolutely. Stressing them out. Too much. Right then. Okay. So we've said how you got into dog training. Mm. So we've worked, merged that one in. That's brilliant. Okay. So can you tell the listeners about the different types of shoots and roles on shoots? There's a big question. Okay. Firstly, different types of shoots yeah okay and this will be have to be sort of very generalized um there are what we call driven shoots which usually involve um a a a team of guns um a group of beaters and some pickers up who do the retrieving and Driven shoots are where the guns are standing in a line, uh, usually about 30 to 40 yards apart, and they are static. And the beaters will hunt their dogs through a wood that gradually trickles birds over the guns' heads, enabling them to shoot. And then those that are shot and wounded are retrieved by the pickers-up, who are then about... 50 to 100 yards behind the gun line. Um, That is a driven shoot in a very basic nutshell. Um, You will have walk-up shooting where everybody is in a line. So you will have um, the guns are in the line with the beating dogs um, who are uh, zigzagging in front of you, flushing birds, and then those birds are shot That's from quite the popular grouse, isn't it? Yes, yeah. So more uh, more up country. So we're in Cumbria at the moment, and yeah. and that's likely to happen in the northern part of the UK and in Scotland. Less so, it's more driven in the south, and that's do, to do with the ground itself. Um, the south is more farming, arable, um, and up here it's more open moorland and. Yeah, the cover is heather, more likely heather and bracken. So, um, so that is your um, walk-up shooting. Then there is rough shooting, which tends to be just you know two or three people, or even just going out on your own. It's a bit you can just do this one man and his dog, um, where you will have one gun, one dog, stick the dog into the bushes, hunt. The dog flushes, um, he shoots, hopefully he hits it, and then the dog that has stopped at the shot watches the bird come down and will be sent on it. So that's um, so when you say a good rough shooting dog, they're the dogs that do all the tasks, yeah. which I'll come to in a minute. 
Um, and then the other um, type of shooting, I think I've covered them all, this will be the other one, which is um, wild fowling. Yes. Okay, so this is to do with shooting um, ducks and geese on the, there are two types, there's inland and there's on the foreshore, so on the coastal. Yeah. Um, but what you're looking for there, you're going out at times when the birds are flighting, so first thing in the morning, morning. Yeah. or last thing in the evening, so yeah. dawn and dusk. I've got friends who do it in North, but... Yes, very cold. You have to get very used to sitting around knee-deep in water. Yes. <laughs> and it's very cold. So Big retrieves. I've seen a really cracking bit of some long water retrieves. On yeah, them. the dogs work very, very hard on the they go with the shore. tide. They yeah. sort of go with it down, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and it can be quite precarious as well. Yeah. So then the different types of dogs that you have. I mean, the subgroups that um, the Kennel Club use for gun dogs um, gives four subgroups there are the retrievers well does what it says on the tin yep. um, they are there to fetch the dead and wounded game um, and they traditionally would be the pickers up dog or the guns dog actually on the peg with the gun um, or the pickers up then you have the spaniels who are your flushing dogs and they are there to um, do squiggly lines, <laughs> figures of eight in front of you. They're the drunk, the, the, the retrievers are the straight line. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. So, the, um, and they will um, be hunting through the woods and the bushes, um, flushing game forward. In fact, when they're rough shooting, they're more likely to be flushing birds straight up in the air. Yeah. Because you've got the guns nearby. When you're beating which is maybe for a driven or walk up um they're more likely to be moving birds forward towards a flushing point certainly for driven and i would say that's for uh, what i've seen so far the larger shoots mm. more the smaller ones yeah more yeah. commercial ones isn't there yes yep. yeah so they go towards the flushing point yeah and then the birds trickle out at, at the end of the flushing point and that's hard it is hard because um if all the birds come out of the wood at once, um, it's a great survival uh, technique for the birds because the guns can only fire two shots before they have to reload. Yeah. So um, all the birds going over the guns doesn't give the guns enough time to reload and, and shoot again. So the birds you are expected to trickle over them. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's spaniels. Then there are um, your, what we call HPRs hunt point retrieve so these dogs that's probably the largest variety of breeds are in this group i think um things like um german pointers uh brittany spaniels yeah uh bracco italianos and spinonis vimeranas munsterlanders um yeah you're in the retriever. <laughs> yeah, you're a retriever, Otter. Um, and they, um, they're very popular in Europe, obviously, and most of them are mainland Europe breeds. Um, but they are really good on big open shoots. So up the north on the moors, they're great because they will take in the similar pattern, this sort of sweeping figure of eight pattern, that the spaniels will do, but it's a far bigger pattern. Um, their job is to cast 
probably a beat, a beat would be this figure of eight of about 100 yards, 50 to 100 yards. They'll cast that and then when they hit scent, they will come in onto it and then go into a point, the P bit of the HPR. So they do their hunt, then they go on point and they are trained to hold the point until they're asked to flush forward. Reason for that is so that the guns can come up into gun range, because if they flush the bird miles away, there's no way that the guns would reach them. So the gun needs to be within 20 to 40 yards. And that can either be the dog or the handler, can't it? Some handlers flush instead of dog, do they not? So handlers often come up towards the dog, and then yeah. they often go forward together. Yeah. So, but it's on. It's cued by the handler. Okay. To to flush forward, to flush it up, um, and then it's shot, and then they are also re expected to retrieve. So they do everything. They're the multitaskers. They hunt, they point, they retrieve, they do the lot. Okay. Um, and then finally, there are the pointers and setters. Yes. Now in the UK, they are not expected to retrieve, so they basically hunt and point. Um, or hunt and set, and set is a stance that they that the English setters, Irish setters, um, have where the pointers have a very distinctive pointing action. The setters set, which is sort of yeah. a stance, really. Um, the, I, I read somewhere as well that they, they even to the point where they would crawl on their belly sometimes. Do yeah. You? Yes. Absolutely. Um, but after the after the flush, they don't um, they don't have to retrieve. You snare, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great in the olden days for netting. When Ground to, game as well. They used to use nets to they bring yeah. the nets, so the dogs would set, and then they'd pull a net over. And they were more popular in the ground game, like um, your smaller birds, weren't they? Like the yeah. quail. Yes, that's right. Well done. <laughs> Woo! She's been doing her homework, this girl. I do study. And also like your hare and your rabbits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. More than really the bigger, like the other game. They yeah. can do it, mm -hmm. but that's what I know that I read up that yeah. they were more. Yeah. I try, you see. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, but that's probably the, um, the, the least popular section yes. of gun dog training. Yes. It's very rare to be asked to work a setter. You don't see many of them, do you? Mm. Actually, on job anymore. Yeah, we have got a few. Yeah. Do you still do you have you have got some clients that you? Still I personally train? don't, but I do know that I do know of people that do do them, that do um, work them. And do they work them on what they were specifically? They were, doing no, they were, I think they they do tests, so they do right. pointing tests. Yeah. Well, we so, had one on the course. Didn't we with we Denise? Did. Yeah. yeah. He was lovely. Yeah. Barry's friend, that. Yeah. Anyway, don't get into that too much, Sorry. <laughs> That was really good. Thank you. That was a really good explanation. Yeah. So all of it, but um, the, the important thing is that um, all of the breeds, all of these breeds, could probably do all of the jobs. Yes. Well, so, a lot of Spaniels pick up now. So many Spaniels pick up. And actually, I you know, that's why I like to have a Spaniel around, although most of the time I'm a picker-up. I like having a spaniel around. You know, they they can work nice and close. The retrievers can do the more athletic, longer retrieves, um, and the spaniels, yeah, 
they, they work really, really well. Many Labradors I've seen in the beating line. Yes. I've seen all kinds of breeds, to be honest. I've seen a white German Shepherd. Yes, yeah, I've seen a... Rottweiler. Um, <laughs> I have a friend who uh, picks up with a standard poodle. Love it. Yeah, and she's... But didn't they were previously? They were, yeah, they were. But yeah, we uh, she's... Um, She's done really well, and she said it's a wonderful dog. Wonderful dog. Cockapoos. Yeah, we've got some on the course this week, week who are cracking. Are. They go out beating. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, it, you know, there's, there's, they can all do the task in different ways. Absolutely. And it also, if you do have a gun dog breed out there, and you don't so much want to shoot, it's good to know what they're bred to do because it helps you with other things, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it can kick, it can get you into a lot of trouble and it can get you yeah, out of a lot, lot of, of trouble. trouble, can't it? Yeah. it. So, um, well, we touched on the, um, the, the dogs that... Working dogs need to have an outlet. Yes. They have natural behaviours that are genetically programmed. We can't change that. Or fight it. No. So if you suppress it, it will pop somewhere else. It'll come out. So we, we mentioned earlier about the, um, the, the light. Yes, we did. Didn't yeah. you? Yeah. And leaf chasers or uh, bird, you know, small birds in the garden chasing. Uh, stalking. Yeah. So you see some dogs, particularly the, the HPRs, that will start to stalk. Um, I had a... Vizsla years ago, a few years ago who stalked shadows so her owner could only take her out for walks when it wasn't sunny oh my god because the dog wouldn't actually go anywhere as soon as it saw a shadow it would fix it's all right and then uh she so she couldn't take the dog anywhere so unless it was Unless it was cloudy. That is so hard. It is really hard. But we did we did do really well. She did really well in the end because um we actually used being allowed to um fixate onto a shadow as a reward. Oh really? Very yeah. good. So what we did, this is where working with behaviorists really helps. Yeah. Um so we put it into the reinforcement box. So if she could do a simple other behaviour, then she was allowed to go and fixate. And eventually she learnt how to do other behaviours more and more and not want to fixate because no one was stopping her doing it. And so it became a positive thing for her. Because this poor family, they had to, ha in the middle of summer, had to have their curtains shut and, and only walk on a cloudy day. So not too difficult in Britain, <laughs> no, yeah, but true. they still had to have the curtains shut in the summer, which is not fun. Not but fun. that is a dog that was um, uh, bred to do something, has a very strong instinct to do it, and the owners, um, through no fault of their own, just didn't know, um, didn't know how to give the dog the right kind of outlet, and didn't even realise that the dog needed it. No, because sometimes a lot of people looking, especially recently with cockers, have become really popular. Um, they don't look into what so much the dog's been bred for and then it transpires mm. later, doesn't it? Yeah. And this is where it can flag up that sometimes 
I'm not saying they can't be a pet dog because they absolutely can. Yeah. But if you just give them that little outlet, it will help them be a better yeah. pet dog. Yes, absolutely. And that's where a good trainer will be able to tell you what your dog is likely to need. Yeah. And can give you other enrichment um, training exercises and games and activities to do that will satisfy that need. And then you are less likely to have dogs bogging off into the distance or yeah. doing what we call abnormal repetitive behaviours or just being generally unhappy. Yes. Because it causes them stress if they're not able to um, have an outlet for those innate behaviours. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just not... They're, it's, just, they're trying to... That we're, I say to people, you, you can't fight that genetic. You're trying to battle the genetic. Yeah. Where you need to change and help them mm. so you can give them another motivation or even work with that genetic. Yeah. So that they can live happy. They're, they're not meaning anything by it. That's what they're driven mm. to do. Yeah, that's what I love about um, the Tribal. Have you you know about Tribal? Yes, I've which heard is it, yeah. um, is it's not, not gun dog related at all, but it's teaching dogs to herd bit, those big yoga yes, balls, like sheep balls. That's yeah. it. So, um, but giving the collies, working collies, an outlet to herd. Yeah. Instead great. of chasing cars. Yes. Which can get yeah. scary. Yeah. Okay then. So, what is your favourite? Can we pause? So, so I just have to pause as then, because <laughs> Joel's pointed over, and I was like, "What's she pointing at?" And Otter's got his head in a bag of treats, <laughs> which he hasn't apparently bothered with all week. <laughs> so he's not happy. I'm taking his mum's attention, and if you could see him now, he sat by her going, "What is this lady doing in here?" <laughs> Bless him. Okay, so back to that question. What is your favourite role for you on a shoot? Um, well, it's picking up for me. I, I really enjoy it. I love watching the dogs do the job that they were meant to do. I like beating, don't get me wrong, but I like the retrieving aspect too. Yes. So um, when when you're picking up, you it's kind of the other way around. They're, they're retrieving birds during the drive that are what we call marked birds that are coming down. Um, and then at the end of the drive, they'll sweep through the wood. So you're seeing hunting as well. Yes. Um, and But I do like being able to sort of watch them um, go out on a, on a tricky retrieve or um, a bird that's maybe um, been wounded. Yes. So they'll watch it down. It'll come down on the ground and then it'll get up and run. I'm watching the, how the dogs tackle that. Good old runner. A good runner, yeah. Because they, you know, their job is birds are part of the food chain. Yes. You know, the minute you step foot, foot on a shoot, you are involved in that food chain. These birds do go to table. Um, but also from a, a, an ethical point of view, you we need the to. wounded birds retrieved as soon as possible. Yep. So a bird comes down and then starts running, it's got an injury, it needs to be brought in quickly. And watching your dog go to the site of that fall and then using their noses, sticking their nose down and tracking off after um, where where it's gone and then finding it and bringing it back, it's like, oh, well just done. amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's really good to watch. I love watching dog work. Um, 
seeing what watching them hunt and reading their body language and yeah and it's really interesting with the pickup how how them good dogs have been bred for the eliminate that predatory stage oh yes as in they bring it back they bring it back <laughs> where than, if it was a terrier yeah, and dissect and yeah. eat it <laughs> yeah exactly like yes. my terriers but it has I, been known it, very rare <laughs> it is rare but yeah you it get has been known. but that's 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 what um that bread that thing of right i've got it your predatory sequence yeah yeah, yeah. that's Absolutely. what fascinates me yes and that's what's been bred with the retrievers so they they followed that sequence up until the grab bite and then we've we've engineered that to get them to want to come back to us with it and yes. then hand it over yeah. so they've gone out they've captured the dinner and then they've relinquished it to another species i know how cool is that it's amazing yeah and they're like thank you for my dinner and I'm like, oh, partnership I... yeah exactly teamwork mm. so when you say marking just in case some of the listeners don't know mm. i know with retrieving there are a couple of different words we like to use yes so can you explain what marking is so a marked retrieve is a um, is when an article or a bird, um, but for for the sake of simplicity, we'll say it's a dummy, uh, an article, um, was seen by the dog, so they saw it land, um, so drop out of the sky and land, yeah. and then they are sent straight away. So that's a marked retrieve. Um, the dog. A good marking dog is one that will go bang straight out to that spot, pick and come back. So there's very little hunting required. They've just got to kind of judge distance yeah. and direction. And it's down to the dog to do that. It doesn't require any interruption from us. Um, we would only get involved if they struggled for some reason. Yes. Um, so that's a marked retrieve. And then the other bits of jargon we have blind retrieves which are unseems so that's um, a retrieve that was put out or a bird that was shot that we didn't know about um, somebody's told us that there's you know bird down in the corner of that wood um, and you're that's when it's teamwork and the handler needs to line the dog up and send them out and the dog needs to take that line and then possibly um, be uh, stopped with the whistle and redirected as um, circumstances require, depending on the help that they might need. Um, and then there's what we call a memory mark, which is a, a mark that has some time lapse to it. So it went down, you turned around, you maybe did something else, then you turned back and you pick it. Or there was, um, you, you didn't pick it for 20 minutes and then you go and pick it. Yeah. So it's a memory. So it's not that instant. Because some shoots don't want you picking up till the end, do they? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So then a lot of your um, a lot of your retrieves will be memory retrieves. Yes. And that's a skill in itself because the dogs will mark. The dogs will mark, but also the handler needs to mark where the birds have gone yes. down. So. And you get skilled at that, as actually you, you do. do. You get really good as your dog. You're like Bing, Bing, Bing. Yeah. Absolutely. I mustn't forget that. I mustn't forget yeah. that. Brilliant. Okay. So I love this question. If you could debunk anything 
in the gundog world, what would it be and why? As oh, we might be here. A while. We could be here a while. No, I won't. I won't. I did sort. I did sort of start writing an article that was going to be myths and. Oh, brilliant! Um, I think one of them is well. There are a couple that that they are to do with retrieving, and um, one is to do with don't give your dog food if for a retrieve. Yes, it will teach them to spit. Um, and the other is don't tug with your dog yeah. because it will teach them to tear birds apart yeah or hard mouth yeah or become hard mouth yes absolutely um so um well the reason i want to debunk it is that it isn't true it can be true if it's not done correctly so if you always bribe your dog with food for a retrieve um, and the food is more interesting and exciting than the retrieve itself then you can teach dogs to go off retrieving spit out because of the anticipation of the food yeah uh, but done correctly and timely then the dogs learn that they deliver the article first and then they get paid with food yes so it is not um, the it, it, it's, it's the it's the learning and the understanding of the dog that I do that job and I deliver to hand and then I get food yeah and that's how it's trained so um, it's only it's mostly uh, people who don't quite understand how we use food as a reinforcer they think that we're using what they call us treat trainers yes. They're just is bribing. They're treat? just bribing. Their, yes, exactly. Which is why why word. we often say pay rather yes. than treat. Yeah. Pay rather than reward. So that way it sounds as if they're being um, getting something for. Sorry, that's otter groaning in the background, not my tummy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're getting uh, they're getting paid for doing the job properly, not being bribed. Yeah. Um, and. Similarly, well, slightly differently, I suppose, with tug. So I think hard mouth that you do get a lot with with some uh, dog, well, many dogs, and certainly with some gun dogs. Um, I think it's to do with the emotional state of the dog. Yes. I do not think it's to do with the dog being born with a hard mouth because retrievers were not uh, bred to kill, as we've just mentioned in their breeding retrieving was brought in as the up as the next part of the chain after the grab bite okay if it's a patterdale terrier then yes it was bred to have a hard mouth it's bred to kill very quickly yes it's a lethal weapon but retrievers or retrieving breeds aren't so I think the reason that they squash down on things is to do with how they feel emotionally, most of the time. You can see it on some of the dummies. You do, you do. So, um, so if pressure is put upon a dog as they're coming back, hold it, don't, or you know, don't chew it, or hold on to it, or the handler trying to grab it too quickly, and that whole situation is quite unpleasant for the dog, um, or they just feel a bit intimidated 
then I think that causes them to squish down. It's that anxiety, tightens the jaw and they just press down on it. Um, and the more that goes on and is practised, then that's likely to happen. So I don't think hard mouth is a bit like us. It goes on to another one, Jules, of um, squeaking. I think squeaking is to do with um, emotion. I don't think it's a, it's a thing that dogs consciously do. Yeah. It's to do with their state of arousal and their emotional state. So that's what needs fixing not the noise itself and the same with um with the hard mouth tug dogs are really good at discriminating so if you put it on a cue you can actually get your dog to tug a pheasant on cue and retrieve a pheasant on cue and spit a pheasant on cue (laughs) sometimes you do it on cue without even knowing (laughs) So if you're really neat with your training and your timing and your cue use your, your, um, and putting, putting things onto specific cues, you can actually have several behaviours on one article. Absolutely. But, um, but if you're less, slightly less skilled, then teach them to tug a specific tug toy. <laughs> so funny teach them to tug a toy a a specific tug toy chase a ball yeah and retrieve a dummy but tugging doesn't cause hard mouth necessarily there are some i mean i wouldn't say that i I mean if it was a staffy then uh yeah tugging will get them to tug harder and harder and harder now see yeah Coming on to if well, Safi, since that's really funny you mentioned that because actually the ones I work in rescue, I know it's a bit off gun dog. Mm. Um, I actually don't encourage talk with staffs. No, I wouldn't because that's that isn't conducive to their emotional state. Yeah, because they're so sensitive and they get they get fizz from one to ten really quick. Yeah, and that tugging can be just send them just topple Over them a the little top. bit for yeah. them really calm. Mm. But yeah. That would only one I would say I wouldn't do a lot of. Unless and I wouldn't teach a staffy to spin. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So it's know your breeds, isn't it? And um, I and shoot, cute. actually. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, know your breeds and um, um, train train for all of these different things, but be clear about your cues. Absolutely. Clean training. Mm. Clean training. Right. Okay. So the world can be a difficult. Um, the gun dog world. So the world. What am I on about? Sorry, guys. I thought this was getting a bit deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gun dog world can be a difficult place um, to navigate, especially as positive trainers. Mm. Um, so for people who are looking to get into the gun dog world and would like to look for us um, positive trainers in the gun dog world. Where would you recommend that they go for? Mm. Where can they? Where's the good places to start and look for? Well, um, it's there aren't very many positive reinforcement gun dog trainers. Okay, officially, uh, there are plenty of really good gun dog trainers, and there are plenty who are, use good methods. Um, but those that have actually been accredited, um, they're harder to find. So um, I would say for foundation skills, 
find a really good local APDT trainer because they can give you a lot of foundation work. Absolutely. Through their networks, hopefully, they will know of some good local gun dog trainers who use the same methods of training. Um, you can um, check the Gun Dog Club, who has, uh, is a national organisation that runs field tests for gun dog training. And they have a list of accredited trainers across the country. Um, there's the Gun Dog Trainers Academy, of yes. which I'm a director. And um, we are teaching and accrediting gun dog trainers. Um, so hopefully more like and more me. of those like you when you get your accreditation. Um, then there will be um, um, a list, a membership list of those who have been accredited. So it's a new thing, really. Um, yeah. As as you know, dog training in this country, there's no legislation for it. Anybody could be a dog trainer. So we kind of have to self-regulate. Yes. Um, and uh, as uh, with the Gun Dog Trainers Academy, are um, mid-accreditation with the ABTC, the Animal Behaviour Training Council, to try and get our courses accredited our accreditation so our assessments uh, our assessments accredited so that um, we can eventually be um, a, the sort of standard bearer I suppose for gun dog training Beacon in this country of light. <laughs> <Yeah>. trailblazer <laughs> yeah exactly what I was thinking yeah I think it is important yeah absolutely because I know people do like don't know where to go but also, I think we should also say that there are trainers that aren't always, um, let's say, positive, but they also do have other good ideas as well. I they don't do. think we should always completely write them no. off. But if you are looking um, for us lot, like Jill said, follow on with what she's just uh, give like the APDT uh, Gun Dog Club and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, so that's really good. Thank you. OK, so my next question. Page Turner. Okay. So, this is a good one. Okay, so there's a lot of discussion about walking in our gun dog world. Mm -hmm. Okay. Regarding this, what are your thoughts on walks for gun dogs? Well, this is the you should never walk. You should never take your gun dog for a walk. Absolutely. Is that what you mean? That's the one we're talking That's about. You know it one. comes up all the time. That old chestnut. Yes. Well, I I don't think there is a right or a wrong answer. I have an opinion, um, but so do others. Yes. Um, I do think it also depends on quite a lot on individual dogs. Um, I personally like to be able to take my dog for a walk. My dogs live in the house with me. They are my pets and I work them. Do they sleep on the bed? Yes. Oh, well, my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't at home, but when we're away, they do. <laughs> but they do get on the are furniture. You okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like... Um, no, my dogs are part of my life and I want them to be with me. So, um, And I also want to be able to take them for a walk. But sometimes, <laughs> sorry. He's so funny. He, yeah, it's better for me, guys. Yeah. 
So <laughs> will you stop talking? <laughs> um, so taking them for a walk in the countryside and <laughs> without any um, practice and without any training, expecting your dog to um, go on a nice casual walk, fill their boots, and then on Saturday to be able to take them shooting and expect yes. them to be under control. Um, when there's even more wildlife about, particularly obviously birds, yeah. um, and lots more excitement and guns and stuff, and expecting them to be able to behave um, without any training is just not fair. Yeah. Um, so if you teach your dogs how to go for a walk and teach your dogs how to work on a shoot, they are skills and you can um, you can easily train those but you just need to be clear it goes back to that cue discrimination yeah we're going for a walk or we're going to work yes yeah so I, I have um, if I'm if I want my dog to uh, just run relaxed jaunt about in the woods then my cue is off you go if I want my dog to start hunting through the woods for wounded game, then I have get on or seek seek. Yeah. And it's a totally different cue. And it's also I add a visual cue to both of those. So the setup is like is is set that way. When I'm on walks, I also do training. So I can bring them into work mode and then put them into relaxed mode as I'm on walks. So um, your Which dogs is beneficial can learn for to... pet owners, isn't it, who have got gun dogs? Absolutely. Breeds. Give your dogs something to do because the environment is overwhelming. They are stimulated by the environment. Dogs take the environment on board in their lives in for everything. Um, environment plays a, mass, plays a massive part in understanding a cue. So, oh, we're in the woods, we do X. Yeah. Oh, we're in a field, we do X. Oh, there's a pond, we do X. So um, they will, the, the environment is always part of it and it's always there. Um, and young dogs, particularly around adolescence, they could be quite um, attached to you, the hunting breeds particularly. They can be quite attached to you as puppies. And then <laughs> just when they hit adolescence um, and they suddenly, those smells in the environment start to become a bit more meaningful to them and they start to go off yeah. investigating and then they might get a flush of a bird or a rabbit or something and then it's wow. way and there's a massive adrenaline hit and boom it's all gone yeah so um this is all stuff that needs to be trained and worked through but if if you've got a gun dog and you're a pet owner and you've no intention of working your dog it is still worth teaching them how you want them to have their walk, <laughs> um, what you want them to do on their walk, and giving them things to do on the walk. Yes. Rather than just leaving them to run riot in the countryside, particularly spaniels. They go self-employed. Yeah, and or, and but even you know retrievers and yeah. HPRs, deer chasing and things yes. like that. So, um, you know, we don't. We don't want that. That's part of being a responsible dog owner is that your dog, in, in theory, should be under control at all times. Yes. In the public, in the 
yeah, in public spaces. <laughs> so sorry about we've got disturbances outside, hence we've got some barking. Um, because I want to make it feel like we're on a proper dog podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. He said, I want my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, because obviously I walk mine as well, but I do also notice the difference if I give him too much free time. If I've had a busy week and I go into training the following week when I've got a bit of time back, can be a bit of a fallout at times for certain things because he's gone, oh, well, done this, this and this and this and now you're reining me in. Mm -hmm. There's that struggle, isn't there? So I have found it beneficial to still has his free time, but he also has his training as well. Mm. Even with when he's with his other guys who don't do Gundog, yeah. it's important that he still has just little behaviours here and there. Mm. And that really helps. But he still has freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And um, th the other thing is that that is a bit of a bugbear for me, which is when you take your dog for a walk, take your dog for a walk with you. Don't just let it go and put your headphones in yes and forget about them it's your dog's walk walk zigzags walk off the paths hide stuff check out rabbit holes ask them to go and have a look for something with you yeah be more interesting be more spaniel you know i like that be more spaniel be more spaniel be more dog you know, it's your time with your dog. It's only an hour out of your day or what, however you break that down. But do stuff that stimulates them. Yeah, it's not just about a wee and a poo. Sorry about that. but No, I, and but it's not all about belting around like an no. idiot and it's not all about mixing with other dogs. It's about interacting, doing stuff together, yeah. turning, can they follow you, um, take it in turns to, you know, walking over, a, going over a stile or through yeah. a gateway. I mean, even finding fallen trees and jumping over them or walking along them or stepping stones and just, you know. And that's just all connection work anyway, isn't it? Absolutely. It's got nothing to do with gun dog work and nothing to do with training. It'll help your gun dog work. Um, but it's just being involved. And if you show your dog that you're interested in your dog's walk, your dog is more likely to hang out with you. Yeah. If you just go, right, off you go, fill your boots, I'm ringing so-and-so and they're on the phone for the next hour, then the, there's no connection whatsoever. And then, you know, woe betide if you try and take your dog on a shoot on the following Saturday. Yeah, you're, you're on the you phone. Know, why? why? Well, my terrier stops me if I'm on the phone. Really? She literally sits down and she won't move. Oh, bless her. I'm not going anywhere until you're off that phone. Wow. That's good. Because I, sometimes I do have a little knitter natter on my wall. Yeah. And I am guilty, guys. I'm going to hold my hands up here because I feel like I have to, Yeah. you know. So, but so, yeah, she sits down and she she literally goes, and she actually looks a bit anxious with this because I'm quite an animated person. Mm. She also goes a bit, oh, what are you going to do? Are you all right, mum? She's also a bit worried. Oh, she thinks you're just talking to yourself. <laughs> She's used to that. <laughs> no, but if I'm off the phone, as soon as I get off, she sees and she checks me. Yeah. And she goes, I'll carry on now. Oh, bless her. You know, oh, interesting. So I now no longer take phone calls because my terrier yeah. wasn't happy with it. Mm. I'm like, all right, no problem. Yeah. I, d I very rarely take phone calls when I'm walking my dogs. But if I have to... Before I answer the call, I call them in, I sit them up, 
then I take the call and they sit and wait while I take the call. Yeah. And then I release them. I will not have them running riot while I'm on the phone. Oh, a scat fee is another one I do. Yeah. Give them something else to do, but yeah. Oh, I felt like I'd just done my confession then. God bless. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. So, where's the next one? Okay, well, the other day on Facebook, we all seen this one. We seen a really good question come up from one of the Gundog pages, didn't we? And it was, what is the best advice you've had and what is the worst advice you've had? <laughs> I like this question. Mm, I've had lots of bad advice. <laughs> I don't think I can pick out any particular thing. Um, but there was, um, there was one chap I trained with once and my dog ran in. It was on a training oh, years ago. It was a, a training on a shoot, so kind of for field trialers, but it, I wasn't a field trialer. I was just going for the shoot on shoot training, and um, uh, my dog ran in, and I just watched her go, and he just turned and he said, "Well, get after her then." And I thought, well, one, I don't want to because that is running straight in front of the gun line, so I don't think that's the safest thing to do. And two, I didn't want to chastise her. She ran in because I wasn't ready. Yes. And I hadn't prepared myself properly. And it was a failure in my training. So, yeah, that sort of thing. And a lot of um, people, when they go to slightly more traditional training places and they're asked to do something or told to do something, they feel obliged to do it. Yeah, you know, they've got the pressure. They've gone to that person for training, and that person has said, "Get after your dog, or tell it off, or whatever. Let it know that you're disappointed." Um, and they feel like they ought to do it, and um, yeah, it's not helpful. No. It's not helpful. Um, so yeah, I mean that's probably one of the milder things I've been asked. So I won't go into some of the other things. As far as the best bit of advice, I love this, and it's stuck with me. I can't even remember where I heard it. But it is never lie about your dog. Yes. You know? Don't tell your dog it's the best. Don't tell somebody I've got the best, got steadiest dog on the planet. Guarantee it'll run in. Okay? Find anything, (laughs) he'll come back empty. Yeah. Yeah? No, he can manage that straight across the river. No. Just don't. You can guarantee. Never show off. No. They are great levellers, dogs. Oh, yeah. They are great levellers, so... They are ground, yeah. <laughs> yes. Do me and just go, oh, it's just going to go to pot, and then when it does and everything's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> What's he going to do today? Yeah. yeah. I won't use his current name. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, that's brilliant. Okay. Um. Oh, I like this question. Okay. So, fun question, everybody. We all like this one. I ask everybody this one. So, Jules. Okay, what breed would you choose to describe yourself and why? Mm. Or what would you like to be? Oh, well, I just think, although I'm like my pedigree dogs. (laughs) Oh, she's... Finely tuned. <laughs> I like my pedigrees. I like my Labradors. I like my Cockers. Um, are you bred well, are you, Jules? 
Sorry, everyone. No comment. She's going to say something about my where I live now. <laughs> I think that I would be a cockador. Ooh. Because I am quite um, a bit of a, a, a Labrador, as in I'm quite calm and I'm quite yes. methodical and thoughtful, but then I've got this mad cocker inside me as well. So I think the breeds I've chosen reflect my personality. So and I have my mad moments and I have my yeah. Like you're driving today, so I have to mention <laughs> <laughs> Well we nearly died. A car came past and she just gripped her woo and it was like that was such a cock I think. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. That did remind me of that. That makes so much sense. <laughs> yes. So I think I would be a crossbreed. You're a crossbreed, yeah. I'd be among... You're not coming to my class. <laughs> no. door. Very good. I like mm. that one. Very good. Okay, so we're on the last question now, Jules. Well, not question. Okay, so if people want to find you and your business and what you do, um, where are you? And also, can you let everybody know what you're up to this year and what you do through the year? So everybody can, if somebody wants to see you, if it's either for one-to-one or classes or even workshops. That's a big question. I know. But I'm trying, a to fill, question. I'm trying to fill everything in for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to remember the, all the questions now. Okay, so I'm based in Surrey um, and I have a training facility there where I do one-to-ones and group classes um, all, all year round. I do um, Gundog workshops, Gundog Games workshops all around the country. Um, people host me for, for um, a day or two days. Yes. Or as we are doing at the moment, we're, we're doing a full week in, in Cumbria. Cumbria. A full uh, Gundog camp, aren't we? For yes. Five days of training and we've got another two weeks in September. Yes we are. This year, which will be fun. And I am the ultimate tosser for Jules. Yes, Georgia yes, Georgia is my tosser (laughs) for my gun dog weeks in Cumbria. And a very good tosser she is too. For anyone who doesn't know that means don't be throw up because I'm not inappropriately tossing Jules. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a jokey name that we give to dummy throwers. It is. Okay. Um, I'm also, as I mentioned, teaching on the Gundog Trainers Academy courses. We have a handler's course and a teacher's course. Highly so. recommend. Thank you. So uh, that's every pretty well every month during the summer. And I pick up on my local shoot, you know me, in the winter. So that's sort of what's going on this year. Um, as far as contacting me... My website is dogtrainingnaturally.co.uk. I have a Facebook page called Gundog Games, which you're very welcome to join as long as you play nicely. Um, And uh, we've got a really nice group of people. That's where I post my workshops and you can um, put up your own pictures of your own dogs and ask advice and things like that. So that's kind of building a bit of a community. Yes. Gundog Trainers Academy is gundogtrainersacademy.co.uk. So more information for that. And then I'm also 
um, secretary of the Vale and West Gundog Club. .co.uk with the naughty ones. <laughs> yeah, Georgia is also um, just joined the committee and she's just shocking. She leads me astray at every meeting. Um, <laughs> they always put, I have to behave myself. I'm learning to manage myself like my spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. So, um, and we hold um, a few events during the year. We have a uh, novice dog, novice handler working test. Yeah in the summer uh, for three of the breed groups, Retrievers, HPRs and Spaniels. Um, and uh, we hold the Working Gun Dog Certificate, which is a Kennel Club um, assessment programme that can be held on dummies and on game. Um, we hold um, at least one assessment day for each of those. This is the Vale and West. And uh, and then we try to organise some training days with various trainers around the country, members of the club. Um, in 2021, year. we're going to be um, offering club mem members training at each of our different training grounds. And, and we're quite a widespread club. Um, the main thing is that we wanted to create a... A, a working gun dog club that would run um, the sorts of events that the, all the other gun dog clubs run, but ours are specifically for um, people who want to use positive reinforcement awesome, in yeah. gun dog training. Now, that's not to say the other clubs don't, but it is part of our mission statement. Yes. So it is at the forefront of what we're doing rather than at the back. In the background so it's less competitive more about bringing out the best in our dogs and having some fun and it's quite a nice stepping stone for people who are new to maybe thinking about competition with their dogs but they they kind of want to find out a little bit more before they commit themselves to going to the kennel club working tests gun dog working tests and things that are available so a it's quite a pressure it could be a bit higher pressure and it's a nice way of just sort of finding out about it a bit more and and hopefully we can uh, we can gradually feed people into the the other clubs that are you know there are 200 plus clubs i think in the country um so there you go brilliant well you've got a busy year haven't you yeah so, people, get yourself, here. if you're around, or and she says any workshop, I really recommend. I've known her a few years now. <laughs> She's become not more than a, just a bit of a, one of my men, other mentors, but also a good friend. So I highly recommend that you go and see her. You won't regret it, and you'll get the best out of your dog. She's dealt with me and Barry G's. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thank please you. go out and see her, and I hope you enjoyed that. Really, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. For coming it's on. It's been, that's been a fantastic... Um, but I've had a really good time, and I think people learn loads from that. Also, I better we better shout out to Sandy. Oh, Sandy, yes, <laughs> letting her letting us use her, her venue. venue. Yeah, second time for us. Um, so thank you, Sandy, for that. And uh, yeah, so thank you, guys. Thank you for listening again. Thank you, Jules. My pleasure. All thank right. you. See you later, everyone. Bye. <laughs>